What's up, bookworms? It's your host, Stevie. What's up, everybody? And it's MJ, your co-host, the uh, comedic relief. (laughs) (laughs) You always say you're comedic relief, but you refuse to say that your books are funny. Yeah, pretty much. They are not funny. I mean, I think that I'm silly funny. Like, I couldn't get up on a stage and, like, do stand-up. But, like, I could probably say something really off-target and make you laugh. <laughs> so, book world stuff, Stevie. What's going on over there? Let's say I don't think much of anything is releasing in the next week. because, Well, I guess so. Oh, our guest today is releasing a brand new book on Monday when you're hearing this. Yep. Called The Risk Taker. And this is book two in Boston Hawk series. And it is Easton and Claire's story. And can I just say that this author is the sweetest person ever. I love her. Yes, because um, we are recording the intro afterwards. So you guys can hear us talk about it. You didn't have to tell them that. Whatever. <laughs> really goofy anyway. Um, Lisa Suzanne is releasing book one and two of the Vegas Aces series, which is what we talked about on Monday mm-hmm. with her. And you released a book yesterday. I did release a book yesterday. My fourth book in the Fury series, Blind Pass. Uh, go get it. It's free on Kindle Unlimited. Paperback is also live. And let me tell you, the paperback is gorge. Okay. So I, uh, yeah, I really hope that you guys love it. I hope you guys go read it, you know, and enjoy, love it with your whole heart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so I'm basically just like in a delusional state. I'm like running on like very little sleep because yesterday was just, oh, she's on. Yesterday was just so hectic and so busy. And I just feel like it was just, it was an amazing day. And I cannot thank readers enough for like a great release day. like over the moon could not be happier so yeah go read it go grab it binge it eat it up love it and then if you're feeling froggy go back and read the other three (laughs) so we got lots of fun things happening um in the coming weeks for the podcast we have a um we're going to be announcing a contest giveaway Yes, and if you listen to the near the end of the podcast, you'll be hearing about a little special snippet that we'll be doing for our April Fool's episode. Yep, and then um, we already announced that we will have Willow Winters on here, and that we'll be promoting Autumn Night Whiskey, which is part two of the Tequila Rose here of the books from Tequila Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, we are bringing on. Our giveaway will be with Casey Hagen, who yeah. is doing a St. Patty's Day episode with us. So we'll all be wearing green. I'll probably be drinking Guinness. <laughs> or green beer. Guinness. And I think that's really it. We're not, I mean, there's not much. It's a slow week right now because February is such a short month. Absolutely. So I think the beginning, the first week of March is there's not very many releases happening yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I was doing my schedule for the for my reviews, and I literally only have like ten reviews for the month of March. 
just a short i mean it's just i feel like 2020 is just crazy plus you know it's a little busy in the springtime you know so i mean people are doing stuff the summer is really when it's really booming and like the winter because you know people will be kind of at their home and on kindle and stuff like that but i don't know it's just a little bit of a slowness no big deal though however we are going to hop on over and chat with the most amazing sweetest human being i have ever met So now we are here with our very special guest, Miss Gina Azzi. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you girls today. This is actually my first time ever doing a podcast. So I'm thrilled. Thank you. We're so excited to be pop- <laughs> podcast cherry. Hey. Like that. We've got a couple offers that have done. Romance, we're at romance. Everybody's know what I'm talking about. It's fine. Um, so how are you doing today? How's Canada? Thank you. I'm doing great. Um, all here as well. We are still, uh, technically in a lockdown. So yeah, I think I'm so happy to see it. Like to see you guys, because this is the first time I've interacted (laughs) with people in a really long time. Oh God. I feel like everybody like, okay, so I'm not really a large, like a big people person, but I feel like after maybe like this craziness, like in a year or two or whatever it goes down, I'm going to be like hugging people on the streets. going to be like, it's so great to see you. When normal- so much has changed, but really not much. <laughs> but like inside, like before I was like, God, please don't touch me. I don't want to be touched. Leave me alone. And now it's like, I want to hug everybody. I want to ask how everybody's doing. It's like, where are people's faces? it's stressful hopefully coming soon i went out to dinner for the first time for covid oh my god i actually sat in a restaurant and was the weirdest feeling in my in the world what is a restaurant like what is it are you what is a restaurant what it is anymore (laughs) it's i just don't oh god i don't even know like what is anything but doordash like honestly like i understand so that's crazy is going to handle book questions because i sadly have not read your books yet Mostly just because my life is literally a dumpster fire. And <laughs> I'm always <laughs> working on something and I literally have no time to read anymore. And it makes me really frustrated. But they're on my TBR. And Stevie knows that when I finish a book project, I like binge read like everything. So I'm going to. Not to mention the fact you also write hockey romance, which is what I write. So yes, I, I, your books are on my Kindle. So it is the same. I'm, I'm gearing up to start diving back in. I've spent almost all of February Mm-hmm. hardcore writing and have not really read anything and I, I feel like a binge is coming on so me that's literally yes. me. okay so understand. without further ado you can start the questions my Thank job's you. literally reading <laughs> it would be a shame if you did not read books wouldn't it if that's your job I wouldn't know what to do with myself <laughs> like the best I think I would have a problem I think you would too okay so we're gonna go to January 21st, which is when the first book was released, which is Feet Talker. What inspired you to dive into the hockey romance? Okay, so this is kind of funny because I feel like most, like most authors that I've spoken to who write sports romance, they really, really are in love with the sport and then it kind of translates into coming out in their books. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was a bit of the opposite. I had never really been interested in hockey except I fell in love with hockey romance. And so <laughs> I, I, was, I was just devouring books. And this, a lot of, of the series came out of being in lockdown and the quarantine 
and 2020 um, because I was just devouring like all of Serena Bowen's books and Marilyn Kelly's books, Odette Stone, totally in this hockey romance world. Odette Stone has the best hockey series ever. The ever, right? Wolves are, oh God. I know. Okay. And then it's like, I, just, I wish there was a million more because I feel like I read her books in one day because I can't stop. You can't stop reading them. Um, yeah. So that's sort of what happened is I, I, um, I just was really into hockey romance, watching Hockey Wives. I now live in Canada and I feel like where I live, hockey is like <laughs> football in the South. It's like religion. Oh, and yeah. so, yeah, I sort of just jumped in it that way, which which maybe isn't the, the traditional way, but now that I'm in the Boston Hawks hockey world, I don't want to come out of it. I'm just loving oh, it. So Now that you've found a love for hockey, do you actually support a hockey team? Okay, so I'm still sorting that out. I'm from New Jersey. Okay. So I feel like I say the New Jersey Devils because I'm from there. And those are the only hockey games I went to as a kid growing up. My, like my parents had taken us to a couple of games. Um, but now, you know, I'm like outside of Toronto. So I feel like I should say the Maple Leafs. So I have to figure that out still. Well, listen, I have a good even for you. In oh, between yes, not, New not and Toronto, <laughs> there is Boston. Yes. Uh, the Boston Bruins, I think personally, are the most phenomenal NHL team you're going to root on. Okay. And that's, just that. that's just me. I love the Boston Bruins. That's this, my team. This is a common argument. Between the Listen, two, nobody I'm cares about the Capitals, Stevie. Nobody yeah, cares. I live in Baltimore and I'm a Caps fan. <laughs> nobody cares about the Capitals, Stevie. Listen, us talking about hockey is just not a good idea. Like, we can talk about hockey romance, but when we actually get on like legitimate hockey, it's like, I don't want to talk to you. We're not friends. <laughs> We're like sorted enemies. Oh, yeah. It's for real. It's super competitive. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, like, for me, like you were saying, like, I think sports in general. So, hockey is not a huge thing in the South. Like you said, it's football. And Lord Jesus, I hate football. And oh. so like, but my dad is so like sports crazy that literally we could watch cricket and we would be like into it. Like we're just very competitive people by nature. ESPN is always on. And I just, I just remember like when my dad wasn't watching TV, I was like clicking through ESPN or like the television or whatever. And I found hockey and I was like, oh my God, like why is nobody talking about this amazing phenomenal sport with this, like these athletic hot men? Like I'm confused. So yeah, so I basically yeah. just like fell in love with hockey super young and like sports. And I was like, I love sports and I love happy endings. So it's like, what if we just merge them? It's perfect. Yes. I it's love sports romance. Sweaty yeah. hot man. It's just hot. Not to mention the fact I feel like athletes carry a lot of qualities that I like in a person. Like I've always dated athletes and I think it's just because the athletes, the qualities that you have to have to be an athlete, like a competitive athlete, like an NHL player, are like qualities I want in a man. You know, it's like totally. No, I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I committed. I want you to be committed. I want you to semi kind of be aggressive sometimes in certain situations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Stevie, you take the next question. Fair. Fair. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, book one focuses on Indiana Merrick and Noah. Oh my god, she told me about their names. I love the name Indy. I love that name so much. It's obsessed with this name. <laughs> um, who inspired the couple? It's so funny because there's so a lot of my books, there's parts or elements of them that are inspired 
most of the time by my own life, but that's more in like the setting of the book or some type of a challenge or a disagreement or something. It's never really the couple. So nobody specifically inspired um, this couple, but after now that it is like out in the world and I've been thinking about it, I feel like this story minus the minus the surprise baby is like the closest to mine and my husband. <laughs> so it's kind of funny because a lot of what um, Indy and Noah deal with is they're like trying to keep things casual because they both have so many things that they both want to accomplish as individuals and they both have so much respect for each other that they know that they're probably not necessarily the best fit for the other person's lifestyle goals. And so they try and keep things easy. And that's kind of like when my husband and I started dating, we both had plans that were so in opposition of each other that it was like, no, we're just going to keep this casual because we're, you know, we're moving to different places or we're going to be pursuing different things. And then it sort of just caught us by surprise the same way it (laughs) happened in the book where you're like, wait a minute. I'm in love with you. Like, when did this even happen? I'm playing catch up in my own life. So, like, um, dang it. Yeah. And fell. Don't like this. (laughs) Exactly. Like, when did this even happen? (laughs) So, um, yeah. I love watching alpha males, like in books, especially. I love watching alpha males do that, where they're like, oh, it's just casual. And I don't know if you've seen this meme on Facebook, but it's literally all over like romance everywhere, where it's like, oh, yeah, we're just hooking up. I'm keeping it casual. And then she's like, um, I'm going on a date with another guy. And then it shows a picture of Jason Bateman going, like, the fuck you are. excuse me i'll send it to you but it is so funny it is hilarious but yeah i just love watching alpha males like be like oh yeah it's super casual and then like the girl does something that's like casual in the relationship like go on another date or something like that and he's like i don't like like what is going on i'm confused yeah i just read an arc like this yes two days ago (laughs) it was the alpha male who swore that they were both of them were so busy Oh, men. And he's like, I don't want a relationship. I don't want to be in love. I don't want none of this. And then all of a sudden he's in love with her and she still won't admit it. She's like, you holding out. Got your life. She's holding out. <laughs> hey, yeah. that. Tough luck, buddy. Tough luck. So funny. And like in hindsight now, my husband says, I knew you were the one when, when we started dating. And, and I said to him, you know, because we, we met in school and I said, you know, if anybody sees us, together like or no if we see each other on campus it's okay you don't have to acknowledge me you can pretend you don't know me and he was like what and we were so fooling ourselves and so I think a little bit of that came through with um with Indian Noah where you're like kind of jokes on you <laughs> I literally love that why Stevie is asking the next question I'm gonna literally scour for this freaking meme so I can send it to you so you can laugh please do hilarious. Thank you. So on the topic of keeping things casual and surprise babies, um, when you first like kryptonite, I I do love them too. Um, When you first started this, did you know the direction that these two would take with the surprise baby and the friends with benefits or did it just play out that way? It just played out that way. When I first started this, and MJ, I don't know if this happens to you as well when you're writing, because a lot of times I write almost the first 20,000 words and then I think, no, this isn't how it's going to go. And I feel like I have to start <laughs> over from scratch. When I first started writing this, um, India Noah's story was more of a second chance romance where all these years had passed and they were reconnecting for the first time. And then I thought, no, I just, 
I don't know. I feel like India Noah, both of them as individuals have a lot of these qualities with like high morality and sensitivities and empathy for each other. And so once I restarted writing them, uh, Surprise Baby almost just seemed like a natural thing to happen because they both individually would have been so happy and excited about being a mom and a dad that yeah, it didn't, it brought them together as a couple, but it didn't need to, like they were already could have been there on their own. Yeah. Um, so it just played out that way. I literally, happened, that, <laughs> I literally did that with this recent, my recent release. I, I'm not even joking you. When I started writing it, right, I had this idea that like, so the basis of it is, is that this got my main character, Emerson, is in love with his best friend's girlfriend, right? And then, then this is when they're in college and then his best friend dies in a car accident and it's just like a whirlwind of things, okay? Now, I had it like years later doing like a second chance, but like I only had him like fresh out of rehab, right? And he was still like an asshole. And I was like, oh, people are not going to like him. They're not going to like him. So I had, and I started writing it and I was like four or five chapters in, right? And I was like, nope, we got to scratch all of it. I think we're just going to go back and we're going to make it like a two years, maybe like a year out of rehab so we can give him time to not be an asshole. But like yeah. literally, like I hate when that happens. I hate when I'm like writing, it's going smoothly. And then they're like, I don't like, the character's like, sorry, I don't like it. We're going to have to change yes. everything you just wrote. I know this happens to me way too often though. So annoying. <laughs> I know because I, I go in with a plan and then they sort of get in their head they get in my head and then I'm like this is no longer the plan we got to scrap it and start over but it's always when I'm like just about to hit that like 30,000 words 25,000 words I'm like wait <laughs> no we're like getting to the good shit and you're like yeah. trying to derail this whole train so annoying so annoying <laughs> Well, now speaking of, since she brings up her addiction story, we're going to talk about Risk Taker. Oh, we love a broken hero. Yes. Which, on this, that is, that Easton is definitely a very broken hero. I freaking love a broken hero. Nobody can tell me any different. I love them. I love He's them. also very hard headed. Oh, yeah. That's the perfect combination. Did you not know that? <laughs> they won't admit like, they're broken. It was so like really funny. Like, Claire and he had the weirdest relationship in the beginning <laughs> and he was not about it at first <laughs> no um so when you were plotting this series did you know you wanted to write a character who battled the addiction um so I feel like this whole series really came out of the quarantine <laughs> so to, to, <laughs> like most things to be honest um it. over over the summer, we took, we went on a little family trip since we couldn't really travel. So we went to um, Muskoka. And so that's like in the book I have, um, or in the series, I have Noah and Easton and Austin having met at a hockey summer camp in Muskoka. Cause like I pretty much started plotting when we were in Muskoka. Yeah. And um, right off the bat, I did, I wanted to include something that had to do with like either mental health or addiction, just because I felt like so many people had spent this year um, not able to socially connect. And I know that there were so many struggles that arose from that with people who were in, you know, in situations where they were already struggling with addiction. And so I thought, okay, this is like the time that we should be focusing on important issues as well. And how just in general, like this time has affected so many people. So I knew I wanted to write something with um, addiction and Easton and Claire almost wrote themselves. Like Easton and Claire, came out so strongly in the sweet talker that I had already hammered down so many of the details of their book. I knew right yeah. off the bat that Easton was like 
the playboy, fun, outgoing, younger brother, wild. We wrote the same character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Um, they even both have E names. Yeah. Oh, really? Wait, what? Yeah. I love that. His name's Emerson. Emerson. Oh, that's right. Yes. Emerson. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, it came about quite naturally. Um, but then I wanted to really focus on him battling with his addiction and recovery and trying to move past it and sort of give that type of hope now that we're coming out of this 2020. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people struggle, especially like mental health was like, I feel like was such like so low during the pandemic, especially for people who struggle with like, you know, anxiety and isolation that only makes it worse, you know, not being around people because, and I know like my dad is bipolar and he, so he has days where self-isolation is the worst thing in the world for him. Like it's terrible. And I feel like, and I'm not sure if that's how everybody is with bipolar because I don't want to generalize it. However, most of the things that I have seen, it's just like they recommend not being self-isolated when you have bad days, like surround yourself with people that you love. And I just can only imagine how it would feel for like a younger version of my father to have bipolar disorder and be self-isolated for, you know, and I know two weeks doesn't sound like a lot, but I feel like for somebody who has mental illness, it can feel like an literal years. Yeah. And it just, I know that like mental illness has just been so like low and like for people and like people's spirits have been low. It's just been really like gloomy time. And like, I want to, uh, and so when I wrote, um, so when I wrote like Ice Hearts where the main character was bipolar, I wanted to be able to show that like, kind of like how 2020 was and like a little bit of 2021 that it's like, yeah, it's gloomy, but there's like, there's like brightness in the gloom. Right. Yeah. There's, there's the clouds are covering it, but it'll, it'll come out eventually. We're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. Eventually. <laughs> it's going to take a minute, but we got it. Also, I found we got it. it. I found it. I found it. Send it over. I am going to. <laughs> Um, so Claire and Easton have the different type of relationship, best friend's little sister. Now she's moving in with him, which at first I was like, oh boy, because Easton's reaction to her is just, he, you can tell there's something there. Um, Did anyone in particular inspire this couple? I feel bad saying this, but no, I feel like a lot of the times the characters I write are, are completely fictional and a lot of the settings and experiences will be inspired by something either that I've experienced like or somebody close to me. Characters? Did you did you like see like somebody on Pinterest and you were like, this person? No. I do Claire that. totally just came in my head. Like I can't do that. I have to have a visual. I don't know. No, yeah, I had no visual for them either. I could not. If now I can go onto Pinterest and say like, oh, this is Ethan or this is Claire, but I yeah. I totally jump them up or imagine them up first. Oh, I, I mean, I, me. I can imagine up personality traits, right? But yeah. until, like, I, find, I will scour Pinterest for like eight and a half hours. Jeez, and it is the most stressful thing in the whole world because I cannot start writing their book. Like I break down when I, when I break down my books, it's literally, I break down the characters and then I just find ways to piece them together. And so I cannot, I can break down their personality traits to like a T, like to the fact that they bite their fingernails. But unless I find an image on Pinterest that's like this person, I won't be able to write them because I'm like, I don't know what you look like when you're doing what I'm making you do. So it like frustrates the absolute crap out of me. So I wish I was like that. That's talent. I wish I could do that. I don't know. No, it's just specifically Easton and Claire out of 
out of mo like all of the characters I've written recently, I feel like the two of them just, they were so clear in my head and they pretty much wrote themselves. I feel like their personalities came out so strongly while I was writing The Sweet Talker that it was a much more seamless transition to like get into their book than in past books when I've tried to do that. That's talent, that's talent. I wish I could do that. <laughs> Ugh, that's frustrating. Also, I'm sending you this video now. You will, okay. <laughs> Um, so, without giving too much away, what can fans expect from Torsten's story, which is book three? Oh, gosh, guys. Okay, I'm so... Where do you come up with these names? I love that. <laughs> I do, too. I, I, that's actually, that's the thing. I, I would say more than looking at images, I, I like, search names. Oh, yeah. I can find the one that's going to fit the, the, you know, person in my head and the qualities and stuff. But Torsten is Norwegian. So um, I tried to, I mean, I wanted to pick a Scandinavian name and we have friends actually who named their son Torsten. They're Swedish, but they named their son Torsten oh and I just I'm loved it. When a romance about a Norwegian male. Here, he's coming. It's like, oh my God, why is the first hockey romance I've ever read where he's not people love his personality. I'm here for it. Are you talking, what are you talking about? Uh, I love Norwegian. Do you not know who my favorite hockey player is? Like Jesus, he's, he's from the Czech Republic. His name is David Posternock. And you should look up his interview about Barbie girl from the Flyers game the other day. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It could give you mad inspiration for this person. Okay. <laughs> I'm on it. I literally I'm on love it. him. All right, continue. Sorry, we tangent. Um, yeah, so Torsten, no, Torsten and Riel um, are coming in April. April 21st, the faker releases and okay so this book I, I actually just finished writing it and this I mean I was just I wrote it in three weeks and I've never written a book that fast in my life ever I never even thought I would be able to do that I just dove into their story so um whereas Claire and Easton are a little bit their relationship is like intense and raw and gritty and there's a lot of feelings and highs and lows uh Torsten and Riel are it's more emotional of a connection and it's I, I think a little bit deeper, but with some surprises. So there's a little bit of an age gap. Torsten is about to be 38 and Riel is 24. Ooh, um, and so that. I think, yeah. So I think with, with him, there's like a little bit more maturity there. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like high, low, high, low. It's just deeper and more emotional. He's um, a solid with some surprises. Man, he's got his yes, shit together is. is what you're saying. It's like Valor and Bishop. Turn no, on. it is not like Valon Bishop, because even though Bishop was older than her, it did not mean he had his shit together any better than she did. Shit together. <laughs> he did not have his shit together. He was half the reason why their relationship took a four-year hiatus. Idiot. It's okay. It's okay though. One of like my one of the readers, when they read Blind Blind Pass, they were like in their review, they put quotation marks. They were like, like in parentheses, and they were like, also, can we just say that I'm so happy that Bishop is just like groveling, not only in his book, but he's like every single book in this series, like Bishop is always talking about how he fucked the relationship up. I was like, I literally yes, thank you. I love it. I haven't come to terms with it. Literally, because I feel like Bishop was the hardest hero to love because he did jack some shit up from all of my books so I just make him repent every single book like I'm just making sure the readers know he's sorry <laughs> so funny. it's good though it's good now yeah so the question I want to yeah. know if Austin's going to get his book because I feel okay. like he's happily ever after I'm so glad you're asking me this because this is like just in and I'm so excited that I can share it with you all now um there's going to be another 
at least three more books in this series coming and they're all coming this year. Yay! So yay for 2021. I'm so um, excited because I'm <laughs> this series already. Okay, 2021. I'm so glad. Austin does, it does have his own book. It is going to come in June, June 23rd, and it's called The Rule Maker. And it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a uh, friends to lovers, a little bit more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say funny because I'm not like, I'm not funny. The only time anybody finds me funny is when I'm trying to be serious, but it's going to be a little bit lighter. <laughs> Yes, that's how she is. Everybody, everybody thought when she wrote her first book, it was rom com, and her books are not rom com. Oh God! Yeah. Right? Well, see, that's the thing is, like, I feel like sports romance falls under the subgenre of rom com, right? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I mean, I love. I mean, I don't read rom coms just because I like books that make me cry. However, I mean, and I can't write rom coms worth a shit. But I feel like sports romance just falls under this genre of rom-com. So when you tell people, oh, I have this really good sports romance series, they're like, oh, but I, I don't want to laugh. Like, I'm looking for something more deep. And I'm like, listen, my books are not funny, okay? Like, the first one is an age gap. The second one deals with mental health. The other one deals with mental health. Like, and it's a best friend's older sister, brother. And it's just, yeah. it's just it's insane. So you just need to understand that there's a very, there's a debt of angst in these books. So I just, when I tell people about it, I'm like, it is sports romance with a sprinkle of angst. It's a little bit yeah. more of a sprinkle. I like pop the top off of it, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's good. I like it. I like the angst though too. I do. So I think there's, I feel like the risk taker is the angstiest thus far. Um, but then the faker has a sprinkling of angst and then Austin's story is going to be a little bit a little bit lighter. I'm excited. I like the name the rule maker because it's like, what rules are we making? Who's making? Oh rules? yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's gonna be fun. I'm excited too. Thank you. I and then his personality. Who? Austin. Austin oh, yeah. has the Austin's the older brother. He's like he, oh, yeah. he's very protective of Indy. I love he's an older protective brother. Protective of Claire. Yes. And like he's just captain. like dog. He's a good guy, but he's best also, friends. That's why I call the rule makers because he's the oldest. He is the I oldest. Bear, and he, I bet. I love guessing it when when authors are like, "Oh yeah, I'm releasing this book and this is what it's called." I like guessing the plot. I'm like, let me think. I'm very good at guessing the astrological signs of the characters. Oh yeah, I am. So I think I'm gonna start a series in the podcast where it's like zodiac signs with MJ, and I guess your character's zodiac sign because we had a, a author named CL Matthews and she was on here and she had like their birthdays on a chart and stuff like that and I was like I guarantee I could guess the zodiacs and I was right on all of them I was like that's so funny I feel you should like do that the the column. I feel the Gemini energy like I just know it I know it's there <laughs> it's like intuition okay so we're gonna move on to generalized writing questions and I'm gonna select this portion because I am the writer of the group of the two of us I am not so, anyway so I write write reviews that's all I get (laughs) you you can she she we're not having this conversation right now we've had this conversation way too many times anyway so (laughs) when did you first realize you wanted to be a writer okay so I have been writing since I was there since I was a kid like since I learned how to write um reading has always been my biggest hobby passion my parents used to joke that I was the only kid they knew who got in trouble for not going to bed because I would, I was that kid with the flashlight and like under all the blankets yes. reading and, you know, all my books were always in my backpack. And mm-hmm. so um, I was always writing for fun. And then when I 
graduated school, I was living in New York for a little bit and I started taking writing classes really just for fun and as a way to connect with like people and to meet people. Um, and then I moved. So I moved abroad for like my, my first like big girl job. <laughs> um, and so I, I was living in the Middle East in Qatar. And so I kept taking the writing classes just as a way to stay connected with all these people that I had met. Mm-hmm. And people in my class said, you know, I wrote like a piece of flash, flash fiction and they said, you should, you should make this into a short story. So I thought, yeah, maybe. And then I, I did and kept working on it. And it, that became like my first um, novel, which was a young adult novel actually. And so I was like, wow, I really love this. It's really fun. And I was still doing it on the side. Um, and then my husband and I got married and we ended up moving again. We moved to Dubai. And right after we got there, I found out I was pregnant. And so um, all over this world. <laughs> but not till I was older. I actually had only been on a plane, I think, twice until I was 18. You were just so like, sort of like wonderlust. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So once we were once we were there and I found out I was pregnant, um, there's no way I my husband said, you know, you're not gonna be able to find a job now because you won't be even be employed long enough to get maternity leave. So that's when I thought, let me see if I can really give this a chance. And I wrote my first romance book in my third trimester, and it came out two days after my daughter was born. So oh my God. God. What a celebration, a though. Funny. Yes. Yeah. And so that was really when I decided, like, wow, this is a dream. I think it's like for a lot of people, it's a dream career, and you just don't think it's pop. Not that, I don't know, it just seems I like... Do you know what I'm it saying? It's like the dream. Like impossible. Yeah. Because you grow up reading these books, right? These phenomenal books that you've like, you have went into these worlds with these people. You have, you know, developed love for these characters. And it's like the person that is doing this, like I could never be this person. And so like, it is like, it is almost like an unreachable dream until it isn't. And then you're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to try it. If try. it doesn't work, then it At least work. I tried. Yeah. Try. At least I don't want to wonder. I never want to. Yeah, exactly. I never want to like live my life wondering like, oh, like what if I had like wrote that book? What if I had published that book? Like what would have done and had happened? So it was like, just fuck. That's literally what I when people ask me how like to become a writer. I'm like, literally, my advice is just say fuck it and do it. Like that's like the best advice yeah. I can give anybody when like starting out. Obviously, yeah. with a few other things, but mostly just like yeah. Just, just, just write it. Just, just write, write it. it. That's yeah. the best thing you can do. Okay. Yeah. So are you a pantser or are you a plotter? I think I'm like a hybrid. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So these people, these are my people. This is my tribe. <laughs> the hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I kind of, I plot out the big points, mm-hmm. um, like the meet cute and like the highs and the lows and what's what are the big issues going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually I plotted it all out with Becca, my store. I talked to her and I sort of just ramble. And then she kind of helped me clarify my thoughts. And we put it all together in like a very big sketch of what's going to happen. And then I totally pants the rest of it. And that's why a lot of times I'm back to the drawing board at 25,000 words. Cause I'm like, this is not what, this is not what they're telling me anymore. It's literally me. A really cool app that I think that, well, it's not an app. It's like for your computer that you can write on that I think helps me a lot because I am a hybrid. Right. And this thing helps me be a hybrid. It helps me plant like pants and it helps me plot. It's called okay. Scrivener. I use that. 
Yeah. Oh my God. It's God's gift to writers. Oh my God. You got binders and tabs and scenes and it's literally, oh my God. Yes, the note cards. I love the note cards. And literally, okay, well, I'm seeing now. Look, see, there's a reason why we're hybrids. Is because Scrivener. Yes, that's, that's no, I love it. that because it's movable parts, right? You can you can sort of drag and drop where you need to and realign exactly. and yeah, it's literally insane. and also when you let beta readers, you can add little comments of like different colors and you know where to go back and edit it. Scrivener, listen, Scrivener needs to sponsor this podcast because I love them. I love them. They're the I reason I'm able to I like my books. So game changer. I know I can't. I really struggle now to write in just like Microsoft Word. Yeah, I don't. It's even hard write. for me. Yeah, Microsoft Word. I have trust issues with that because it crashes, and like my biggest fear is it crashes before I save, and I have like fifteen thousand words on it. Oh yeah. God, I would. This throw happened up. to me once. This happened to me once when I was doing um, was doing like a re-release of a series, and I had. I mean, I lost a hundred pages basically. Like I had done like so many edits oh. and fixes and I lost a hundred pages about, I think it was maybe, it was within two weeks of the book releasing. And so I just remember it was, cry. I was, oh my gosh. I was like a nervous wreck, a panicking. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I was like, I have to rewrite these hundred pages. I can't <laughs> function and I can't <laughs> engage with anyone. And That's yeah, it's fine. I yeah, hate so it. Now, now I use yeah. pacemaker. I was going to ask you about that. I just started using it. It's literally the most amazing thing in the entire world, especially for me because I'm very like ADHD squirrel. So, and I think I'm like, oh, I have plenty of time. Like I just won't write as many words today. And the pacemaker's like, liar, you have to write today. (laughs) (laughs) Like you have to write this many words today. And I think it just really helps when you, like, I guess for me, when I can see a goal, right? When like I set a goal for myself, right? And I see that number goal, like in my head when I'm writing, I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Okay, we've got like a hundred more words left. Like it's like a yes. goal, like motivate myself instead of just like free writing where I don't feel like motivated. And I do free write occasionally. Like, you know, like if I'm after I meet my word count and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm still feeling it. I want to free write. And then I can just mm-hmm. plug in however more that I wrote that day. And it's, and it, and it, basically alters the way that you you write so like if you write you know the 200 and how 2000 words you write that day if you write more than that it will equate that to your final word count and then shift the rest of them so you know how much to write the next day yeah and you can also do it in your own pace like if you want to do like an uphill battle where you do most of your like work in the middle or you do where most of your work at the end or the beginning or steady i do steady Steady. don't want to fuck my life up because I just know know that I'd just be like oh yeah I'm doing great I'm doing great holy shit why are we going so high like I'm so confused I would know I cannot do that so yeah steady for me but I do pace yeah I I really like I just started I've only really used it once but I I like the uphill like deep in the beginning I I have all these fears that like if I don't get this now something's gonna happen and then I'm gonna be derailed so I need to (laughs) need to I need to really show up now just in case something happens and then I, I get off track. I will burn myself out so quick. I cannot. So what is like, do you have an interesting quirk when you eat? Like I wear the same hoodie, washed hoodie. Every single time I'm writing this book, washed hoodie. And so like, do you have a, like a weird quirk? Like do you eat Twizzlers, only eat purple Skittles? Like, what is it? I guess I, I don't, I'm coffee, coffee addict. I probably have... Yeah, like, it's the elixir. I switched of life. to decaf. It, it is the elixir of life. Yeah, I have to now. I have two coffees in the morning, and then I switch to decaf. Um, but <laughs> it's like, oh, 
we'll have a two regulars and then the decaf the rest of the day will be fine. <laughs> it'll be great. It'll be great. And then I don't feel guilty about it. Makes it feel better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's totally a rationalization. Um, but no, I think just I've caught like I like having a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, something hot, um, and music. I find it very difficult to write in silence. Oh yeah. Um, so I always have like a Spotify playlist on. Um, so we just moved actually the beginning of January and um, I have, I have three kids. And so I said, you know, Hey guys, like, you know, does every, my, my two oldest share a room? And I said, do you guys still want to share a room or do you want to have your own rooms? And they were like, no, 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 we want to keep sharing. So I made an office for myself Yay! and yeah, I like, am so in love with it. And so this is a very big and new part of my writing process. So now I feel like I'm getting so much more work done because I have a space and it's quiet and I've kind of decorated it. It's still a work in progress, but I've mostly decorated it the way I want to. Um, yeah. So, so no real quirks, but now it's just that I've carved out space and I kind of have my routine and I would say other than I just need the coffee and the music. <laughs> yeah, literally. So I think the thing about having an office is, is that it like feels like you're going to work, you know? Cause I feel like if you write yeah. in the living room, like what do you do in the living room? Like you eat in the living room, you watch TV in the living room. So my brain is like, oh, why do I need to be writing in the living room? You know, but when I go into my office where I only have things that are writing based, it's like, oh, so I'm coming into this okay. office. My brain is like, we are in writing mode at this point. So I try not to like eat in here, even though it's like the worst thing in the world just at my desk and like eat a salad while I'm like reading edits or something like that so I try not to like eat or like um like mess around with anything else like watch tv or Netflix in here because then I feel mm -hmm. like it tells my brain we can joke around in here and it's like no this is work this is work I am a hundred no I'm a hundred percent with you I'm the same it's and I think that's part of it too is I always used to work in the kitchen like at the table or kitchen island mm -hmm. and I would just think to myself like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't wash those dishes. So let me just wash those dishes really quickly. And then I sit yeah. down and I think about the laundry and then I'd go do that. And so I was constantly interrupting myself because like all this chaos of the house was around me. Exactly. And so I would need to really almost like clean the house before I could sit down to write, so um, just to like get into the right mental headspace. And so now I just, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and this is also, so January's kind of been a big month for my family. So it's the first time all three of my kids are in school too. So now I have like full days. And so it's exactly what you said, MJ. It feels like I'm going to work. So I just like by 9am, I'm sitting here writing and I like that. I like having the routine. Me too. Also, you should try listening. Do you listen to instrumental music? Sometimes. There is this Sometimes, yeah. place. It's like not a place. It's like a band or I don't even know if you call it a band. It's called Midnight Strings Quartet, and it's a group of uh, violin players. And listen, I love the violin. I literally wrote a character based off of their sound. She plays okay. It. But it's, um, they do instrumental covers of, uh, like, really popular songs. So Red Hot Chili Peppers, Halsey, uh, Justin Bieber, like, they do all kinds of, like, really popular songs but it's the violin. And I find that it really kind of helps me, especially when I'm writing like really intense scenes. Cause like, sometimes I'll be writing and I'll be like writing down the lyrics of a song <laughs> that's playing in my head. So I do that. So I find that it really helps to write like emotional scenes like that. So can I okay. recommend them? Thank you. Um, you give me so many recommendations. <laughs> so uh, I act like I have my shit together. I don't. I literally just messaged Candy Steiner yesterday and was like, help me. <laughs> so, um, 
what my last question is what does your family think about your writing like have they are they supportive has your husband read a book yeah so my family's super supportive um yeah my husband actually reads all my books and so he usually reads them when we're traveling so on like a train or a plane and since we haven't traveled anywhere in quite some time he just was saying like oh my god now we have to take a really long trip because I have so much to <laughs> book up on yes <laughs> yeah he likes to read them and then like try and find parts of himself in the male characters and then ask me if it's based <laughs> men men <laughs> it's not all about you yeah it's so funny um, but yeah, so my family reads them. I would, uh, my grandmother actually, I would say, is the other okay. person who really reads them. So she is, my grandmother oh. is like the coolest grandmother in the land. And we call her, we call her Brooklyn because she is born and raised in Brooklyn and she's oh, just turned 93. And um, yeah, so she reads my books and then she gets the paperbacks of them and tries to pass them on to her friends. I genuinely... <laughs> would have a literal aneurysm if my grandmother read my books I oh god I would die my dad's not allowed to read mine like he has all my paperback copies right because my dad's very supportive of everything that his children do like if yeah. my little brother wanted to collect earwax like my dad would be like my son has the greatest collection of earwax ever you know like he's very supportive but I literally told him if he tries to read it I will gorilla glue the pages together you can have the paperback but I will glue the pages together you are not allowed to read these dad I will kill you <laughs> I yeah I was really nervous at first to be honest especially um just even with like family friends or um, my childhood friends parents or teachers um yep. but I, yeah but then the the encouragement and support and everyone was so genuine in their support yeah. who has read any of my books was so good that I was like okay it's fine um yeah but there is this like it's a little bit nerve-wracking because you feel like you're really in one way you're like pouring out your soul right and you're like putting mm-hmm. so much of yourself into the book but then also anything to do with like the sex scenes and stuff you're like oh I don't know we like we don't have that type of relationship (laughs) uh, by the way there's some scenes in there but I also I really feel like the genre that we write is super empowering like I know for a lot of people Fifty Shades of Grey was kind of like a big moment for uh romance books Mm -hmm. because when Fifty Shades of Grey was so like, when it blew up so big, it was like, oh my God, like people actually are okay. Like reading sex scenes, like sex is normal. Talking right. about sex in books is normal, you know? Right. And so it, it can, became less of like a taboo thing and it became more of like a mainstream media thing. And it made people feel more comfortable to talk about this kind of stuff. And I think that our genre is very important because I think that it does, it's all right. Like we are you were an adult, a consenting an adult, you know, like, it's like, sex is all right. You can read about it. You talk about it, do whatever you got to do. Right. So I just think that it's like making the world a little bit less, like more comfortable, like with their own person. Like, cause I know when I was in high school, like I, I grew up in the South. Okay. So like the South is just literally insane. And it was just, I guess it was like, Oh, you don't, mention you don't talk about like with uh your friends that like oh you like somebody like that or you don't like read about things like that because it's not right and it's like but it's like what we it's human it's a thing that humans do like what are we talking about and then 50 shades gray blew up and then all the people that told me that had it on their freaking bookshelf and i was like ma'am ma'am what is this shit what is this what is this (laughs) 
So yeah, my grandma read it. My grandma read Fifty Shades of Grey. And when she went and found out that I was like writing and I had published like a few books, she was like, oh, I'm going to have to read it. And I was like, grandma, no, it's like the Fifty Shades of Grey book that you did not like. Don't read it. <laughs> Don't read it. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. it, but it's true though, because how could you be writing these really intense emotional connections in a relationship and then completely disregard that there's a physical attraction component as well yeah. or attraction or anything like yeah I agree with you it's I think it's really important and it's good to normalize it and I like that there's so many like female yeah. romance authors who are writing about relationships and it, it's like such a big part of life and I don't think that we should just ignore the sexual aspects and then even like I love that in romance, you know, you can have those really explicit scenes. You can have fade to black. Like you can have anything along yeah. the entire spectrum. It's just the point that there is this physical component of and you're not also the emotional for, connection. You're not shamed for like reading it and you're not shamed no. for writing it. And I think that's like right. one of the biggest things that I really appreciate. Like I know this community has problems every once in a while, but I think the biggest thing that's really important about it is that we are very like, I feel like it's a, when you find the right people, it's a very empowering community. Like you're very like not shamed for what you write or, you know, like what you read or anything like that. So I just, I love, I literally love it. It's my favorite in the whole world. No, me too. And that was such a big thing too. Sorry. Yeah. You're fine. I'm sorry. Tangent. Stevie, go ahead and take the reading questions, man. (laughs) Okay. What is the first book that ever made you cry? I'm such a crier in books. I think the first book that I have, I'm sure there probably could have been even earlier than this, but I feel like when I was around 10, 11, that's when I have these vivid memories of crying in books. And I think the first one was Little Women. Oh, Little Women. Who did not cry reading Little Women? Yeah, right. I cry. Yeah. So hard reading that book. And cry. I still, I mean, that's like one of the books I reread every couple of years and just sob. I'm trying to, I don't even know, like, I'm trying to think of, like, a book that, like, genuinely made, like, the first book that ever made me cry. I think it was, like, Magic Treehouse. So it was in, like, fifth grade. I think it was, yes, like, fifth grade. Of, yes. So fifth grade for me, too. We also read Number of the Stars when I was in fifth grade. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, yep. I, yeah. I can remember. I it was a school read, and I think it's called Walk Two Moons. Is that, yeah, it's called Walk Two Moons, and it was, like, a school read, and, yeah, it was about this girl who was, like, trying to find her biological father. That is the first book that ever made me cry. There you go. That's it. I think the first one that I ever read that made me cry, I was in ninth grade and we did um, Night by Eli Weissel. Oh, no. That book is devastating. Anything with the Holocaust makes me cry. I don't even want to talk about it. Me too. I know. I just, that that whole like 10, 11, fifth grade, I, I can remember it so vividly sitting on the couch in my mom's living room, like sobbing. Yeah, she cannot do it. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I cannot handle it. All right. Next question. Steve. What are some of your favorite authors to read? Oh gosh, there's so many. <laughs> right? And you gotta number yeah. it down. Rapid fire. <laughs> uh, um, for romance. I, I now I feel like I almost and not that I exclusively read romance, but when I have time to read, I predominantly read romance. Yeah. Um, I love everything and anything that Kay Bromberg writes. I feel I like her. I am obsessed yeah. with her. Iconic. Me too. Iconic. Same. Um, yeah, so absolutely everything that she writes. I love Candy Steiner, Adriana Locke, um, <laughs> um, Kristen Hanna. Mm-hmm. Was another Wait, one that, like, 
the um it's really familiar the oh my gosh I'm like a when people say author names unless it's like something that I like read repeatedly uh, you have to like tell me the book name or show me the cover because I'm like yes. oh, I don't freaking know well the one was the first one I read was um running barefoot which I like absolutely mm-hmm. love and then the nightingale that's oh one. That's yeah like okay, yeah yeah sob your eyeballs out one yes yes okay yes yes and um also and I don't know if you've watched it yet on Netflix but Firefly Lane Firefly Lane um, okay. I'm obsessed with that with that show I haven't yes that. I know I haven't watched it yet I haven't watched it and I'm she but Kristen Hanna also wrote Firefly Lane and it's on Netflix have you seen it? it? Have to watch Catherine Heigl and um, yes. Sarah Chalk. Yes. Why am I just finding out about this stuff? No, yeah, it's, no legit, this- it's the funniest show ever. I love these two. They actually depicted the characters perfectly to a T, and I would not have chosen anybody else. I'm going to have to watch it. They're right. super yeah. funny together. Read the book first. All right, read the book first, God. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. I'm a book reader. Of course. Yes. Okay. I have to. And I have to, because I, I think I just totally, I made a huge blunder because I, I wanted to say her too, Amy Harmon. Amy Harmon wrote Running Barefoot and that was the first book I ever read by her. And that like, then I read all of her books after that. I have not read that yet. I'm gonna have to read it. Oh, it's so good. I recommend Saffron Kent, 10 out of 10. Okay. I know I haven't read yet. No. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a lot of like forbidden, forbidden love. When you were talking about how you lived in New York City and you took writing classes, the first thing that came to my mind was The Unrequited by Saffron Kent because Lila okay. literally does the same thing and falls in love with her professor. It's very hot. Okay. Um, Saffron Kent is called the Lana Del Rey of the book world. So when you listen to Lana Del Rey's music, that's how her books make you feel. Honest to God. Okay. I love Saffron. She's so good. And she's really good at making like very strong alpha males and very just like soft, dreamy females. And I, oh, I'm like literally. Ironically, she lives in New York City. Yeah. I'm literally. went to NYU. 10 out of 10 recommend. 10 out of 10 recommend. All right. Next question. Are you an e-reader or a physical copy? I'm an e-reader now. Back, like, way back in the day, I thought I wouldn't be. I was very much like, no, I need the paperback. Um, but just how much I've moved in the past couple of years and how much I like to read, I am, like, I just read on my phone now constantly. Yeah. yeah. See, but if, like, the cover's nice, I gotta get it. I gotta get it. Oh, I love to have the books. Like, my husband's like, you never even open these. I, the last three times we moved, I haven't unpacked my books. Like, they're still in the crates. <laughs> Um, I love to have the books and I can never get rid of a book and I take a book with me like everywhere, but I, I like, I read on my phone constantly just cause I think it's more convenient. I agree. I agree. It's like, what are you doing right now in a coffee shop? Well, I'm reading. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to buy another bookshelf for my bedroom. My are dream. You, are you all books? My dream is to have it's like literally all bookshelves. <laughs> I want built-in bookshelves. That's what I want. That's my dream. I need that yeah. as soon as possible. I just want my own personal library. That too. That too. Definitely that. I think this is like life goals. <laughs> right? Maybe I'll build right. one in my basement that's empty right now. <laughs> oh, do you really? Could you build one? I could. And well, I'm putting my office in the basement anyway. So I want to yeah. like. I would love that. If I do that, I'm going to make the office look like a library which there's boxes of books that I have not even unpacked since I moved it. If you relatively I understand. 
if you relatively think about it, it could be kind of easy if you had, like, you could literally go to, like, Goodwill and buy a shit ton of shelves and just do, like, mismatched shelves all over your room. Boom, library. That could look really cool, though. I literally, okay, ideas, I'm gonna do it. Watch yeah. I've acquired so many signed copies of books that I'm, like, protective over, so I'm, like, running out of room. Somebody's like, oh, I want to read this. Yeah. I'm like, no, don't touch my book. No. <laughs> do not touch that one. <laughs> Okay, so oh, Steve, do you have any more reading questions or are you ready to move on to trope questions? Got two more. Okay, go. What's your absolute favorite trope to read? Oh, absolute favorite trope to read. Oh, I love the angsty books. I love to read angsty books, even though I don't particularly write well with angst. Um, I think I, you do. <laughs> like a sprinkling of angst <laughs> a sprinkling of angst um I love to I love to read second chance romances are like my favorite to read and write I would say um but like I love those angsty desperate broken hero second chances where they have all these redeeming qualities that they have to so like basically you need to read my newest release blind pass because you're talking about emerson literally i'm gonna read your all your whole series it's on it my is, kindle it is a second chance romance you will love him he is the love of my life like my my whole heart i love him to death also monica robinson if you read like a yeah. little boy series that is some angsty shit that's like the one series people are like oh i like angst and i'm like all right well i'm gonna give you a baseline at monica robinson and if you like monica robinson then we can either go up we're going to go, we, we, we go down because if we're going up, I'm going to start recommending some more angst. It's just, but yeah, I recommend that. It's so good. I love it. I love it. So what is your last five-star read? Oh man. Okay. So my last five-star read, I would say is like the whole series of Devney Perry's Runaway Road. I sort of just binge them all because I'm gearing up. I think, I think her next, her next book is releasing really soon. I think it's next yeah. week book yep. five and so yeah the whole series I absolutely right loved it. it yeah I love the whole concept mm-hmm. of um like I haven't read it yet. I love and, oh it's phenomenal I love all of her books I'm gonna have to read it Get it's my like life another together. another binge reader um author for me like any of her books I'm like the day they come out I have to read them that's literally how I am with Saffron King and Candy Steiner like literally that's how yeah. I am with Alexis Winter Speaking of Candy Steiner, why everything by her? Like the have moment, you guys yes, the read moment. Close Quarters by Candy Steiner? I haven't read it yet. It's on my Kindle. I'm catching I, up. I have to catch up on everything in February. So good. It's so good. I love her with my whole heart. Anything she writes is good. I love it. She's amazing. Phenomenal. All right. So trope questions. Yes. We, this is our favorite portion of the show because we get to talk about tropes and tropes are the bomb. And also, since you're on the podcast, we're going to announce this with, I'm going to announce this with you. I haven't run this by Stevie, but it's fine. We're going to, I'm going to announce this with you on the podcast. Um, so we're going to start doing a section. Well, I don't know if we're going to start doing it regularly, but for April Fool's Day episode, I'm going to have my dad do a what the trope episode. Oh my gosh, I love this idea. <laughs> So basically the other night when she was driving home yeah I was literally like I have this amazing (laughs) idea so basically what's gonna happen is my dad is gonna get on here and me and Stevie are going to have had we're gonna take tropes that match a blurb like we're gonna take books that we've read and we're gonna pull the trope from that book and then my dad is gonna have to decide which trope goes with which book based off reading the blurb so 
he's going to try this and my dad is a he oh my god and he's so redneck and it's I love so him comical it's so funny. <laughs> no so i'm super excited so you guys make sure to tune into the april 1st episode it's gonna be a great time but first trope question for you is what's one trope that you would eventually like to write down the road okay so i would like and i'm, I'm actually going to give it a try i really want to try writing enemies to lovers i've never written an enemies to lovers book before um so but the the book six in Boston Hawk Hockey, the heart chaser is going to be an enemies to lovers. So I'm excited Ooh. to give it a try. I think it's going to also have a lot of that angst. Yes. I love yeah. enemies to lovers. I think the hardest thing about enemies to lovers though, is just the pacing of it. You know, just making sure that you have enough time of them actually being a couple and like that kind of thing. So it's just like the pacing of being enemies to lovers. I don't think I have wrote one yet. I want to, I have an, I have a upcoming one that I'm going to write. Okay. Yeah. Lovers, but it literally stresses me out. <laughs> I know me too. I'm like, you got to do this. It's a challenge literally stresses me out and like when done well it's so good I love that trope I love reading it but it's like how do people do this like it's frustrating uh Stevie take the next question please what is one trope you would never write I think love triangles ah (laughs) no I don't think I could ever do it proper justice um I wrote I wrote this book broken lies and in it there is um, like a girl, a woman from from the hero's past who comes back, and and I I try to you know kind of depict him in a way where he's still kind toward her as, as a way to show like his emotional maturity. Yeah. Um, and instead, I got like well, not instead, but I had several readers and people reach out to me and be like, why would he do that? And why would he be that way? And and I was like, because he's grown. But I don't think it came across that way. And I was like, clearly, I can never ever write any time <laughs> any type of a um of a love triangle because I think it's so hard and so, well, you have to be so delicate in how you are balancing everything and do it in such a way as to give all of this emotional closure. Yep. And I think that, I just think that would be so tricky for me to, to pull off the way that it needs to be pulled off. I think the love triangle. I love reading them like Jessica Hawkins. I've read like, I love, I love them. But, and I think she's such, like, it's brilliant. I absolutely can fly through her books and I'm so into it, but I, just to write it, I don't know. Kaylin just wrote Holds of Forevers, mm-hmm. which is her new love triangle. I love a whole love triangle. And then Willow Winters also just released part one of a love triangle duo mm. called Tequila Rose. And yeah. Autumn Night Whiskey comes out March 23rd. Okay. I, mean, I think the biggest thing okay, for writing or reading a, a love triangle is the balancing the line of she's in love or he depending on who your character is they are in love with this person but they love that person like you're in love with one person but you yeah. love another person because I'm the type of person that I genuinely do believe that you can love multiple people I just think you can only be in love with one person at one time like yeah right so I think trying to do that but then also like you said providing closure for the person who doesn't end up right I don't think that if he's in the whole book the entire time right and then you're just like oh sorry chosen the other one and you have like a really shitty closure point for him then that's where you're going to lose people because it's like oh well that sucks and right you know kind of thing so I want to eventually I want to do one eventually but 
stresses me do out. It. It me do it. No, me too. Because even then providing the closure in the sense that if the third person who is not matched up is still going to be in the new couple's lives, yeah. like, how do you do that and have it not be awkward? <laughs> I have this idea, this, I, I have this like, um, it's like a brief, very small idea of like, she chooses the other guy. Right. And then like they go their separate ways and then it's like years down the road and like, she's got a baby and they're on the store and he, she sees him and it's like, oh God, this is the most uh, angsty kill myself moment in my life. But yeah, yeah. It's like, so I, I have this, yeah, it's literally the only idea I have, but I don't know. It's just like a very tough thing because I feel like realistically, I don't think he could be, they could be in the life because it's like, if you, if he really loved her the way that you've portrayed that he loved her, could you like say in a like stay in his their life and like watch the woman that you love be with the woman the man he loves she loves like I could not <laughs> I know I know no it's like it like rips your heart out I'd be like deuces sorry one author who's it been able to pull off having the other man stay in the girl's life oh god who is it it's Emmy Stevens when thoughtless. she wrote the thoughtless oh. series yeah she kept Denny close to Kira from book two and three. Oh, I just don't know if I can do the it. Breakup, he still stayed around, but he met somebody in Australia. So this is the thing. Just as, I mean, if he's got another girlfriend, then it's like, it's fine. But like, at the same time, it's like, oh, I don't think I could do it. Same. I know. I don't know. I feel like you just have to be so, it just has to be done so perfectly with all of that emotions and making sure they're all settled. And yeah, I don't know if I could do it either. Me either. All right. So <laughs> the last question for us today, sadly, is... If you were in a book, what trope would you want for your story? <laughs> um, okay, I think I would want either that, like, the beach wedding. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, we meet on this great holiday adventure. Yeah. Um, or, or, like, stuck together trope where something happened and we are now stuck together and we got to figure it out. Why have you not read Close Quarters by Candy Steiner? At this it's, point. It's, I have it. I gotta read it. I'm catching up on a it lot. It literally is both the beachy thingy vibe and also stuck together. <laughs> okay. Well, what are you doing? You have to read it. Yeah. I'm gonna no. read it. And then my yeah. favorite thing though is like hearing people be like, "Oh, this is like what trope I love to write," and then you ask them what trope they would want in their book, and they're like, "Absolutely not the one I like to write. <laughs> Completely opposite." Yeah. Like absolutely not. Yes. What would you pick? Um, I think mine would either be friends to lovers or uh, not, not friends to lovers, enemies to lovers or like a rock star romance, maybe just depends. But I think it's definitely enemies to lovers as a broad spectrum thing. I just want somebody to like, hate me so good. Like hate me so bad. <laughs> that I That's love intensity. It. I love it so much. Yeah. With my billionaire. The billionaire. Oh, that's, that's iconic. You have to go with it. You have to. I mean, I'm fine with it being enemies lovers too, but it can be a billionaire or marriage out of convenience. Oh, I'm okay with marrying a billionaire out of convenience. Don't mind me. I'm not, don't mind, don't see me turning it down. Yeah, that's like one of my favorites to read. See, I'm not a big reader of billionaire romance, mostly just because like, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think they're hot and I like it, but it's just like, I don't know. I can't get with it. There's just something really attractive about gritty, nitty, like, MC romance, mafia, like, I don't know. I like people that kill people. I don't know. <laughs> Just something that I like, it's fine. Do you read romance at all? That's my last question for you. I read everything. Okay. Yeah, I really read everything. I mean, I read everything, everything, except probably like, I don't really read, you know, 
more thrillers. I, I, cause then I'll have, like, I'll be petrified to sleep. Um, but aside from that, I read everything, but I would say right now I'm, I'm like predominantly just reading romance and lately historical romance has been my jam. So I've Bridgington, been, I know I blame Bridgington, but I've been, I don't even, I don't like reading it and I'm not going to be able to, I'm never going to be able to write it mostly just because I love to play with, um, like fictional aspects and history is very solid can't really play around with the plot line like the timeline very well very much unless you're doing a different like history like your own history but then you have to do like a whole world building thing. world building yeah so it's like oh jesus no so no thank you but <laughs> if you like dark romance i totally recommend penelope douglas's night devil's night series it's like okay. every one of them is enemies to lovers and i love them with my whole heart okay thank and you i haven't read her that series but i've read this what? Which one? I'm really thinking we need a blog for this with all the book recommendations that come from this hot. I don't know why though, but I recommend the same books to every single person. Exactly. Like I recommend my favorite books to every single person. And Penelope Douglas is that person, the Devil's Night series. And when you read it, read the whole series, four books. You can come back to me and you can tell me why Damon's your favorite because it's okay. everybody's favorite. <laughs> he is the most screwed up, but it's amazing. However, that is the end of our podcast, and we are just so thankful that you were able to join us. We've had so much fun with you. I am so grateful. I had the best time, and I truly appreciate you girls taking the time to invite me on here and to chat with me. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for reading Boston Hawks. I really appreciate it and appreciate all the love, and I thank you for all these recommendations. Oh, yeah, no problem. I got to go binge. <laughs> right? So also follow her on her Instagram, Facebook, all that good jazz. Make sure you do that. But yeah, so thank you so much for joining us. I'm on it. Thank you.